Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. In 2017, when Tesla announced plans to sell an electric semi-truck, Chase Barber was in. I reserved a Tesla Semi on the day of the revealing. They, they put out the little thing of like reservation numbers, and I'm like, reservation number five <laughs> on this Tesla Semi. Chase was the co-owner of a small trucking company in British Columbia. He and his partner bought and restored old trucks, and they drove them to haul logs and set up power systems for remote towns in northern Canada. So Chase was excited about the possibility of an electric truck. Then a few years passed, and a few more, and the Tesla Semi still wasn't available. So we thought, well, we know how to build a truck. We can make a truck. We've been building and restoring. Why don't we just make our own electric truck? And I said, screw it. We can actually do this, and we can make it as a company. And, well... We canceled our reservation. I got the $25,000 US back that we had to put down for it. And I used that $25,000 to start uh, Edison Motors. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? A show where I talk to people who are trying to make technological progress. My guest today is Chase Barber, co-founder of Edison Motors. Chase's problem is this. How do you build electric logging trucks in rural Canada with money you raised from people who follow you on TikTok? Before he started his company, Chase drove a logging truck and he loved it. It is such a good job. It's the only job logging on the West Coast where I think you can be scared uh, driving at like five mile an hour, 10 mile an hour, and you're <laughs> white knuckled on the wheel. Like, it, I, I love it. I love being up in the mountains, going up into the bush every day. The roads are challenging. There's no traffic. It's just pure driving. Did you ever almost die? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So many times. Like, that's just a, that's just a fact of life. How'd you get from driving a logging truck to starting a company? Well, that started back in university. I decided that I should go back after I was tired of driving truck for like three years. And I'm like, okay, I need a backup. This, 
like in case I don't want to do this my whole life, I'll go to university while I'm still young and single and have, you know, it would be a good time. <laughs> um, but after four years of university, you know, I did really well. I had like a 4.0 GPA in economics and it's not bragging. It's just to tell you how bad the job market is, at least when I was graduating is I did a Bank of Canada economic forecasting contest where I came second place in Canada and got offered a job as a junior economist at the Bank, Bank of Canada. Bank of Canada is the, the central bank of Canada, like, like That's the Fed right. in the US, yeah. Yeah, like the US Federal Reserve as an economist yeah. there. And after four years of university, the salary was 45000 a year Canadian. Like, <laughs> what? I drove truck and I made more money driving truck in one summer at university working four months of the year than I did if I was going to live in the center city of Canada working at this prestige job. I'm like, that's insane. So that's where I met my business partner, Eric. And I said, hey, we should just do a trucking company. Like, We got business degrees. I, I've got a real great background in business. So we had the last of our money that we had left after the year. We pooled it up and we had about $10,000. So we bought a truck and trailer for $4,000. A 1969 Kenworth came with an old log, long logger setup and we put that to work. And that's how we started out in business about six, seven years ago now. And were you driving that truck that you bought then? Were you like owner operator? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were owner operators. We spent the whole last semester of university restoring this old truck, fixing it all up. It sat in the field for like 15 years. And then we got a job and we went up to the Yukon with this truck. So up in northern Canada, up in the Arctic Circle in a 50-year-old logging truck. And that's how we started our little business. So, okay, so far so good. You got your truck. Uh, you're driving your truck. You're getting paid. I mean, lots of people spend their whole their whole careers doing that. Oh, yeah, that probably would have been a good career. But um, we started doing like hauling generators and hauling heavy equipment. And like we expanded with the low bed into generators and machinery. And then we thought, well, like rather than just doing the trucking, you can see that the money is doing the installs. We can do some of these installs in construction. So what are you what are you installing? Uh off-grid diesel generators okay. so there's a lot of mines remote places there's actually over 350 towns in canada that aren't hooked to the north american grid and rely 100 oh, wow. off diesel okay. so that's super expensive uh, you got to bring in the fuel to these remote places it's inefficient big carbon footprint it's bad oh yeah yeah <laughs> i mean we did a lot of trucking of the right, fuel in right. there <laughs> that's how we really like, you know, we'll haul a generator in and we're like, oh, well, we can haul fuel in. And like, are these are these mostly uh, sort of kind of industrial settings? I mean, is it like mining and and that sort of thing? Or like, what are the places that need it? Some were industrial, some were mines. There was a few mines yeah. in the Yukon and a lot of them, though, were residential. Uh -huh. Like just First Nations um, reserves up in Canada uh -huh. or other normal cities so like native american reservations we would call them yeah. in the u.s yeah okay yeah that's what you would call them yeah native american reservations so you're shifting your business now you're going from being just truckers basically people moving stuff for a fee to to being sort of you're in the you're in the power business now for these remote settings is that right yeah yeah i, I guess we were okay. you didn't know <laughs> that's it. a good way to put it <laughs> yeah i guess we were <laughs> i still thought of ourselves as Probably right. You're probably right. Okay. Yeah. So we did our first big um, hybrid system install. Oh, it must be about four years ago now. 
And it was uh, this community way up uh, northern BC, right on the Yukon border. And what we did is they had a huge peak power load. So everybody would get home from work at five o'clock. Everyone comes home. Everyone turns on the power. We, we see it in okay. our national grid. Huge peak power demands at like five o'clock because everyone gets home. Well, they had that. So what they had is the old way of doing it is that you would size a generator to meet that peak power load, to have that power demand when you needed it. So they had a 95 kilowatt generator running. But what we did is we went in, we start installed a large battery bank, a bunch of solar, and then we downsized that generator to 35 because wow. that battery bank met that peak power demand. Uh-huh. And you had a lot of people there their whole lives. They've grown up there. They've listened to these diesel generators always running in the background. For the first time in some of their lives, their little village in the mountains has been quiet. No sound. That's nice. That's a nice detail. So, okay. So there's a town that had a giant diesel generator and you got them set up with solar panels and batteries and a much smaller generator that could charge the batteries when the solar power wasn't enough. That's right. Yep. Okay. So... Keep going. I'm waiting for the big moment. We Are we at the big moment? It's coming soon. There's no big moments in business. No, no fair. That's a very... Business is made of a lot of little moments that add up to a big moment. So there's always a little tiny steps forward, steps back. It's a story. Good story is a lot of little steps. That is a very wise point. Very, very fair. So what's the next little moment? The last, next little moment is uh, one day we were looking at all these diesel light towers and we thought, well, why don't we make those solar? So on a napkin, I sketched out this little solar light tower and Caterpillar loved that. Finning loved that. They turned that into a 100% solar. So rather than running a diesel generator on site with all the emissions and noise pollution and having to pay for fuel, we now have made a 100% solar one that we designed that works up in northern Canada. And then that started some manufacturing and... In between that, I was just driving logging trucks, doing solar. Like the solar install was going really smoothly. So I actually transferred back into hauling <laughs> logs for a while. Finally, we had this kind of aha moment when we did a project. Uh, and we were sitting there thinking that a semi truck is a lot like these little diesel powered communities. Huh. It's got a huge peak load. So it takes a lot of power to get that weight moving. Like to build that initial inertia takes a lot. Once you're at speed, it takes very little to maintain that momentum. So that moment when you're getting the truck going, it's like the moment when everybody comes home from work and turns on all their appliances. It's just this moment of peak demand that's way higher than the kind of baseline. That's right. It's exactly like that when you think of a truck like an off-grid power system. So we thought about it and, well, why don't we just optimize the trucks? Uh batteries the same way and this is what electric can do like we're at the point where all the electric technology for trucks is there the electric drive motors the batteries the electric control gears well why don't we make this efficient and run this like a freight train freight trains have been diesel electric and they move tons of weight because the electric motors have tons of torque tons of power super efficient but you have regenerative braking to capture your energy slowing down when we built our prototype we were finding like 50, 60% fuel savings on these log and trucks. So, and can you plug it in or no? Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we, we plug it in in the evening. So you pull up next to the house and pull it up next to the shop and 
plug it in and it just charges. So you always start your day with a hundred percent battery and you get about two hours of driving out of this thing. And then the diesel generator turns on, runs for about half an hour, shuts back off. You'd get another hour, two hours of driving, and then it runs for another half hour. So, so is it right that part of your like thesis in building this diesel charger is that a purely electric truck just won't be able to carry enough enough batteries, enough enough battery power to do the kind of work that these trucks need to do? That was one of the issues is that electric trucks for 80%, 85% of the trucking industry will not work and probably won't work until batteries and charging infrastructure massively improves. But we're looking at 20, 30 years until we can get uh-huh. to that point. But going diesel electric is kind of that best of both worlds. Oh, I can recharge the batteries. Like, yeah, you're not going to eliminate diesel, but you're going to massively reduce the amount of diesel you need. It's a step in the right direction. So, okay, so that's the basic idea. Um, It seems like it would be super hard and capital intensive to turn that into a business, much harder than buying one $10,000 logging truck in a field and driving it for fun and profit. It, it was hard. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, that's, that's, you're right. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> but thank God we kind of went viral. If a company can go viral and it's been one of those things that's really helped. You're, you're big on TikTok, which I would not have guessed. Tell me about your life in TikTok and how that helped. Well, It was when I was still hauling logs. One of the guys that used to work with us, an older guy in you know late fifties, early sixties, was kept making TikTok videos. And I'm like, I okay, I better download TikTok and see what the hell Shane's posting about me. And I probably scrolled TikTok for like six months before I even made a video. And then I first made a truck video, and it just went really big. And then I started making more videos. What was it? What was the first one that went big? I think I was shifting gears and dancing. Uh So I think it was one of those 10, 15 seconds dancing TikToks. But I was doing like a trucker version of the dance. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) It was dorky. And then, yeah, when I announced that we were doing Edison, it all of a sudden took off millions and millions of views. We had our own page. We had a little crowdfunding. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll crowdfund this first build. And within five days, we had raised almost half a million dollars and closed the crowdfunding out off of just this one TikTok. So that's amazing. Half a million dollars is a lot of money. But when I think of starting a truck company, it's not even, it's many orders of magnitude away, right? And, and this is partly because the way you are starting a truck company is different than what I would have thought of, right? You're not building a factory to mass produce trucks, right? Tell me, tell me about the way you're doing. No, we're starting with a very common sense approach. Let's build one prototype and let's raise enough money to build one prototype to make sure that our idea is valid. Let's take a, a truck. We'll retrofit it with a diesel motor. We'll connect the control systems that we design. The ele- and we'll just, we'll try it out. We'll see how it works. And we did that. And we built the truck. And and did it work? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it worked great. Lots of good power, great acceleration. Um, there was a few little things that we needed to go back to the drawing board. I did not like the driveline okay. system. We, we snapped the driveline a couple times trying to do some heavy stuff and then trying to drag race the truck. <laughs> is that the way you stress test a truck? Is A, haul, haul a bunch of logs up a hill and B, drag race it? 
apparently yes yes <laughs> i let my i let another truck driver in town real good truck driver and we were letting all the truck drivers come out and try it and i'm like all right jim get, like give her just give her the beans and he throttled into it and ping <laughs> rain we're like okay i guess that ends the testing for today that ping that was a key part of the truck braking so they tried a different part something called an e-axle that's designed to be used with electric vehicles the e-axle worked. No more pings. Just to just to zoom out for a quick sec here, I want to just highlight a thing Chase said a minute ago. That idea that, sure, electric trucks sound great, but for lots of uses, full-on electric trucks just aren't there yet, right? And so I really like this sort of practical incrementalism of his approach, this sort of let's build what we can build now because it's better than the existing thing, even if it isn't perfect. Still to come on the show today, how Chase built his company on top of an old law from the Cold War. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Customers were paying too much for shaving products. So the people at Harry's came up with a way to make beautifully designed razors and sell them at lower prices. Exceptional products at honest prices. I've been using a Harry's razor the last few weeks, and it's great. Close shave. It's got a nice hinge, so it bends around my face in the right places. And I've used the same blade for multiple shaves, and it is still going strong. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry. They offer a no-risk trial, and Harry's offers a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Here's a headline. Harry's has the best shave at the best price. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com 
slash problem. That's harrys.com slash problem for a $3 trial set. Now, back to the show. And just to be clear, when you're talking about building a truck, I mean, you're not like machining all the parts from scratch or something, right? No, that is our biggest saving grace. We looked at these things and what a truck company is. Now, we realized really quickly that we couldn't afford to compete if we had to make all our own parts like Tesla. And we realized a lot of people don't want to buy custom parts. So we went to the parts that trucks have been using for the last 50, 60 years, those common core parts. And we used the simple off the shelf. We actually had a great partnership with CBS, uh, Fleet Break, these truck supply stores, sat down with their parts experts And we said, what parts do you always have in stock? Uh What are you finding out that the people aren't complaining Uh about, that aren't breaking? Give us your most reliable parts that you always have in stock. And then our team of mechanics worked with our few engineers. And they said, well, let's just start putting these parts on. Let's pick those parts that we can grab off the shelf. And you know how much time and money that saves you in development cost? It's going to save our customers money. It's going to save downtime. And it got us into production it, we're now starting on our produ- first production truck already in just a year and a half of starting the company. When you talk about going to sort of trucking parts stores and using parts that have been around for decades, I mean, I wouldn't, it makes sense on a certain level. I would never have thought of it. Like, it's almost like you're building the trucks from the parts that are just sort of around, like from from spare parts or something. I mean, can, how much of a truck can you build that way? Can you build a whole truck that way? You can pretty well, except for some of like the high voltage controls and the uh-huh. electric specific parts. Trucks have shared for the last 40 years a very common core parts. You can take a brake pod, a Type 30 brake pod off a 1955 Kenworth, and that's the same Type 30 brake pod that's still on a 2023 Freightliner. Huh. Turn signal on my 62 Kenworth is the same turn signal that Western Star used up until like 2007. Like a lot of the parts were just all the same. Why is that? Like that's not true for cars at all, right? It has a lot to do with the U.S. Defense Procurement Act of 1955, actually. Okay, U.S. Defense Procurement Act. Okay, go on. I believe that's what it called. It's something along those lines, but it's basically the U.S., NATO, and these places, they're worried about the Russians. Sure. And they saw what we did to Germany was we bombed the hell out of their factories in World War II. In World War II, okay. Uh Yeah, and they realized, like, well, if the Soviets attack us, the first thing they're going to do is hit our factories. Well, trucks are so vital to the defense industry and just people surviving. If you run out of trucks, you run out of food in cities. And they thought, like, well, okay, well, they'll hit Detroit. We need to be able to figure this out. So... They started making all the parts the same. So did the government sort of put out a set of specifications and said, whatever, the turn signal has to look like this? I mean, was it was it something like that? That's exactly what they did. It was right down to even the uh, shift knobs. The shift <laughs> knobs were all the same and color coded on trucks. If you have a 15 speed, it'll have a blue button for your thumb. 13 speed will have a red. 18 speed will have a gray. And it's the same across Europe. It's the same across Australia. Like you hop into an Australian truck and you look at your shift knob, even on a brand new truck, if it's gray, you know, you can split the bottom and top end so that the drivers could share. Like that is how common and standardized we had trucks for 80 years or 60 years. That is amazing. And it's really interesting to think about that, right? Like the think about sort of the economic implications of that and the technological implications of it, right? Like 
I mean, on the one hand, it seems like it would be really bad for innovation, right? Like if somebody came up with a better way to make a part, they kind of wouldn't be able to do it, right? That seems like a downside of it. On the other hand, you can always get spare parts and the company isn't going to gouge you if the turn signal breaks because you could buy somebody else's turn signal. I mean, are those the basic trade-offs? Am I thinking about it right? Yeah, that's probably about right. So they relax these laws in the 80s. Okay. What innovation have we really seen in trucks? Well, I don't know anything about trucks. So you tell me, what innovation have we seen in trucks? Well, we still have a turn signal. But <laughs> nowadays, it, you know, that turn signal for my old 60s is about 40 bucks on Amazon. Okay. I can just order it. They still have it. Like all the parts are there, $40. Now you want a turn signal for a brand new truck, it's $500. So are you the rare, uh, you know, founder, entrepreneur making the case for kind of government top-down regulation of like, all detailed specifications? Oh, God, am I? <laughs> I don't Maybe know. I am. Um, Seems like it. You know what? Yeah. If if that's what it's that's what it takes, why not have a little bit of regulation in here? We do need something. It's not a pure free market we exist yeah. in anymore. It's very much a more of a do I say crony capitalism system? But there's only a few big truck suppliers. Like you look at some of the big brands are all owned by other large uh -huh. brands. Maybe we need something in there to protect the owner operators of key vital industries that look what happened just with China during COVID. And it wasn't even malicious, but the there was the computer chip shortage. You couldn't even buy new trucks. They couldn't put them off the assembly line. You couldn't repair trucks. Like the price of trucks went crazy. And that was just from a few month interruption in the global supply chain. Imagine what would happen if a war broke out with China. What would happen to our trucking industry overnight if it was some economic war? It doesn't even have to be a full on hot war. But if we had another cold war with China where they stopped supplying us, we would lose our ability to move anything in North America. So when you decide to try and build a prototype, you decide you're going to go back, you're going to basically draw on this sort of reservoir of interchangeable parts from this Cold War policy. Yep. And you kind of build your truck out of those parts? Yeah, that's exactly what we did. So, okay. So you got your, your prototype, like, is it around now? Is it like out back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The we parked here for the winter time. We got a lot uh -huh. of snow here. We only took it out one a couple days at like when it was minus thirty five below to see how it did in the winter. But other than that, we parked it and we're now just building the new production truck. So okay, so right. So you did the prototype. It worked. Uh, I mean, then did you? Well, just tell me about the financing. Did you raise? You must have raised more money to go into production. We did. We did another round of crowdfunding, and. Same thing again, within five days, we had raised $1.5 million, which is more than enough to build the first production okay. truck. We're calling it the production prototype. Uh -huh. And we've settled on four or five really good first trial customers that are going to be financing the first few truck builds. So, And when do you think the first you know, truck driver is going to drive your truck to go get a bunch of logs? I'm hoping by the end of this summer. Okay. So what what do you have to figure out between now and then? I mean, I know you made a prototype, but what do you have to solve to actually have your trucks out in the world? Well, sell them to these first customers. We'll get that real world feedback. We'll figure out. It's kind of that old way of engineering, but let's put it out in the field. 
Let's see what works. Let's see what breaks. Let's bring it back in. Let's change the parts that break. Let's improve it. And then let's go into the general public. I mean, in terms of the maintenance piece, I know you said you used, you know, as many sort of core, old, cheap parts on your trucks as possible. But, you know, clearly it's not all old core cheap parts. You're doing new things. Is that going to be a challenge for the people who buy the truck, like getting that part of the truck maintained? <laughs> um, it'll be a little bit different on that part. So we did designed a lot of these and we had some brilliant uh, electrical engineers and we took electrical parts that were common for the high voltage world, people working in like power plants and so you almost need like a mill electrician, like a sawmill that has all these electric motors or a mine has those people that can service those electric motors. That makes sense. It does seem like in this sort of period of transition or just when your trucks are new and there's only three of them in the world or 10 of them in the world or 100 of them in the world, like it'll be hard for the person driving that truck to figure out how to get it fixed, right? Like it's not obvious how to solve that piece of it. Even if there is some industrial electrician who would know, like figuring out who that person is and getting them to fix the truck seems hard, no? So there were, we took advantage and we partnered up with some universities. And we bring a lot of summer students now in for the summer, like heavy-duty mechanic summer students that are in their second, third year apprenticeship. And what we do is we've been training them up as part of their co-op education, paying them a wage, they learn, they work on these trucks in the summer. And now these few companies that want to buy our trucks, they're larger fleets, and they said the same thing. How are we going to maintain these? And like, Rather than just always coming back to our shop, we're going to send you this guy, these people's contact information so you can hire a diesel mechanic that already has the knowledge of how these trucks work because they help build the trucks. Uh -huh. So that was our way around it. When you look sort of from here on out, whatever, for the next year, next six months, all the things you got to do, what are you particularly worried about? Like what, what at this point are you worried or, you know, trying to solve? actually find a facility to build these trucks. Uh -huh. Where are you building them now? We're building them up in a temporary shop. So I couldn't get city permitting to build a shop where we're at. And my house is kind of up a little bit of a logging road, about 15 minutes outside of town. So we're building them illegally because I can't, I'm technically not zoned to manufacture or run any kind of industry. So right now we're building as many trucks as we can before the government finds out that we're building trucks where we're building them. So the stressful part is now finding a place. And our town had a massive flood about a year ago. We lost like 20% of our houses. It wiped out the in entire industrial district. There's no land available and I want to own the land. We have the money. We have it. Like we got things in place to be able to do this, but there's just nothing available. So you're telling me that you want to have trucks on the road in, oh, six, eight months and you don't have anywhere to build them right now. We have a spot, just nowhere to legally build them. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone asks, our shop is for agricultural <laughs> use. We could build a big shop for agricultural use. And then they're like, well, what are you using it for? Be like, storing my classic truck collection. And they come out and they look at the classic trucks and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess you do restore classic trucks. Yeah, no, it's just a hobby. <laughs> so we're, we're on that zoning right now. Uh, and where, where is it? Where do you live? Where do you live? I feel like I definitely shouldn't say that now. Uh, fair. Okay, fair. <laughs> 
Uh, let's 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 finish. But a, a small town in the middle of uh, middle of BC in Canada. A small town in British Columbia. Yeah, well, Merritt, British Columbia. That that's as much as we can we should say. We'll leave it there. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round, including questions about trucking and TikTok. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And now, a word from our sponsors at Betterment. It's nice to work hard some of the time, and then it's also nice to take a break. But as an investor, you want your money to be working for you all of the time. And that is what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help your money do. Betterment has automated technology, things like low-cost ETFs, which are basically cheap, efficient ways to invest. And if you're parking some of your money in cash, Betterment offers a high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Betterment also offers automated rebalancing. They keep your money balanced across asset classes like stocks and bonds in the way that you want, so you're not always having to decide, oh, I need to buy some more of this or sell some more of that. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. So I do want to close with uh, with just sort of a lightning round. A bunch of questions, mostly fun. Yeah. What's one secret to succeeding on TikTok? Uh, just be real and be yourself. People like the genuine connection. Um, 
is it right that you were in the army? I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the reserves. What's something you learned in the, in the army reserves? That I was not good in the army. Fair. <laughs> What's one thing you learned studying economics that's useful, actually useful in running a business? The best thing is cause and effect. Ah. You see a lot of things in economics where it's, you know, if this happens, this will move the supply curve left or right. If the supply curve in this industry moves left or right, it affects the price this way, which is going to increase the input cost of this other good. That's like 90% of your first few years of economics. That's not the heavy math based is learning that causation. What happens if certain things in business change? It, it lets you strategize. You listen to music when you drive a truck? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Listen to music about 10%. The other 90% was audiobooks and podcasts. Okay. My main thing is like I like to learn new things. Mm -hmm. And truck driving is one of those careers where I really, really recommend to any young person because you have all day to sit there and learn as much as you want. What other job affords you the opportunity to go deep into whatever kind of passion that you have and learn as much as you can about it? Chase Barber is the co-founder and CEO of Edison Motors. I first heard him interviewed on the podcast Odd Lots. Good show. Today's episode was produced by Edith Russolo, edited by Robert Smith and Sarah Nix, and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein. I am not on TikTok, but I am on Twitter at Jacob Goldstein. You can also email us at problem at pushkin.fm. We'll be back next week with another episode of the show. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, Peanut Butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of Peanut Butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.